Awesome. Hey, good morning, and let me also say Happy New Year to everyone. Here we are on the very first day of 2023, um, and, you know, as we all know, um, with the coming of a new year also comes with anticipation. Uh, maybe this year is going to be better than the last. Uh, we have some things we want to do and, um, you know, some goals that we wanted to accomplish uh, in 2022, and it just didn't seem to happen. So maybe this is the year, right? Um, everybody gets pumped up and excited about different things. I hope uh, many of you or all of you had really a great uh, time with extended family and friends over uh, this Christmas break. We, um, our family, um, we always, we just, we just like football, uh, watch it. And um, I did not stay awake last night. Some of you may have you know, that whole countdown to midnight, um, some of you can identify with me when as you, the older you get, the harder that is to do, right? That ball dropping and whatever, countdowns. I did make it through the, uh, uh, the Georgia-Ohio State game, and I was like, okay, got that and done. Um, my team, the LSU Tigers, play tomorrow. Um, I'm sure they'll win big. And um, because many of you um, in, in our congregation um, are – a lot of you come from Texas A&M, and I've been looking for the bowl game for A&M, and I, I just can't just can't seem to find it. So somebody help me, because I mean I want to watch it if you know if it's going to happen. So uh, anyway, that's uh, that's all that. But you know, when we think about you know starting a new year, I want you to understand this: that we um, we as a church leadership of the church, um, you know, we, we we want certain things uh, for you. Um, you know, you even heard it in the announcements earlier this morning, you know, how we, you can give to this and come to this study, so on and so forth. And, you know, we, we, we often, not often, we regularly um, advertise different things, you know, serve here, give here, come to this study, be part of this life group, be part of this outreach activity, uh, all of that. But we say all of that because we hope that those things help you get to what we ultimately hope for, and that is a closer relationship with God. All of those things individually or even collectively, those are just things we do. Um, sometimes I just, you know, I call that just church stuff. You know, we do church stuff. Um, again, we have groups for, you know, kids on up and all the stuff. But we hope that ultimately those are just routes, mechanisms, pathways for you uh, to get dialed back into or further into a closer relationship with God. That's really the bottom line on everything. And this morning as we think about, you know, this, the Lord's Prayer uh, as we see in Luke chapter 11, which Buddy just read, um, you know, we, we hope that you have, that, that, that this morning that God's word will help open the door for you, reveal some things in your own heart, that God would reveal himself to you today through his word uh, that would allow you to have um, more communication with God um, as you are in relationship with him. And there is a real difference between doing, again, my words, church stuff. Um, yeah, I went to this retreat. I went to this Disciple Now I'm in student ministry. Or I, went to, I went to the Passion Conference as a college student, and, uh, you know, I serve in children's ministry. I went to the church picnic, and I, come to, I, I show up on Sunday mornings at Allen Bible Church, you know, most of the time. You know, what, what, what is that? Okay, what, you know what? You can do all that stuff, all of that and still get to the point where you, as a result of those things, know a lot about God, and you might even extend it a little bit further. You not only know about God, you tell other people about God. But that still doesn't mean you have a relationship with Him. You see? You know, it's been fun. Um, we've really had a great, my family and I have really had a great um, holiday break. And um, we um, have had, um, you know, we, we were in Baton Rouge, and 
everything that that entailed with a lot of extended family and sitting in woods looking for deer, all the good stuff, right? And, um, and now we're back here, and our son, um, Michael, um, has come here as well, and he invited some friends. And so we had some uh, extra guys staying at our house last night, and we had some fun conversations because I was like, uh, hey, guys, I'm, I'm preaching uh, tomorrow morning. Let me just run through the text with you, right? And help me understand a little bit more about how you operate and things that you are about. You know, it's just good just to sit around and talk. And um, one of Michael's friends, his name is Edward, um, he is a big, giant fan of Jimmy Carter. That's his thing. He's in college, loves Jimmy Carter. He's the president kind of a guy, and his favorite one is Jimmy Carter. So I said, okay. So last night, just as a little test, I said, Edward, hit me with some fun facts on Jimmy Carter. And oh, my goodness, boom, boom, boom. I, just, I mean, I, I wrote them down. He says this. Hey, well, Jimmy, oh, he goes, Jimmy Carter. His real name is James, and again, off the top of his head. He was born on October 1st, 1924. He was also the first president born in a hospital because most people were born in homes before that time. Uh, he's the longest living president, the only president from Georgia, married to Rosa Lynn, and before he was a president, he was a peanut former, and he actually is an evangelical Christian and still teaches Sunday school, and interesting for Texas, um, and I just assumed this to be correct. I didn't fact check this. Uh, he was the last Democratic president to win Texas in a presidential election. And then, you know, we went red ever since, right? Uh, there. And so I'm like, man, that guy knows a lot of stuff about Jimmy Carter. But he just spouted it. And so then my question to him was, hey, have you ever talked to him? He's still alive, right? You ever have a conversation with him? The answer is no. So Edward knows a lot about Jimmy Carter, but he doesn't know Jimmy Carter. Same thing true for us. We can know a lot of things about God, but not know God. And that was, and so how do you really differentiate between whether or not you know about or you know? It, I think it comes through communication. So um, Edward's here this morning. Edward, throw a hand up right there, man. That's Edward right there. All right. So if anybody's got Jimmy Carter's uh, cell phone and your contacts... <laughs> He would love to have it, right? There it is. And so the thing I want to impress on us this morning is, do you talk to God? What's your prayer life like? Because if we're honest, and if I'm honest anyway with myself, I mean, prayer is kind of a difficult thing. My mind tends to run, um, and I don't do it a whole lot. Um, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, it's like, I just can't pray for an extended amount of time, all these sorts of things. And, and I really, I want my relationship in 2023 with the Lord, it's my own goal, to be something that is, I just, it just, I just want it to increase. I want, it to, I want to be closer to the Lord. I know I'm saved. Yeah, I gave my life to Christ when I was nine years old. My sins were forgiven. I know where I am. And I hope you know that too. But I just think there's just so much more that we can have because God gives us the opportunity to be in relationship with him. And so this morning, we're looking at these verses that we, it's, it's often called, and it might even be in the little, um, the little, the little uh, what do you call it, the little summary above the real verses in the Bible that says the Lord's Prayer. You also see it in Matthew, the book of Matthew, and it's the one in Matthew is probably the one that is more commonly known, memorized by many. Um, but I actually think it's a misnomer to call it the Lord's Prayer because this is really the disciples' prayer. You know, so this, the disciples said, hey, Lord, teach us to pray, and we'll get to that in just a second. The Lord's Prayer, I, would, I believe, is in John 17, you know, where that's where Jesus prays out of his own voice and out of his own heart for the disciples and ultimately for us. But this morning... We're going to look at just really four verses, and we got, we got kids in here with us this morning. We're going to be short and simple. We're not going to be here for a long time. Um, but I really want us to think clearly about how we could pray, because the Scripture this morning gives us uh, tools. It gives us a way of thinking about prayer. It gives us a template for prayer. And so if you struggle with your own prayer life, then this morning is going to, it's going to be helpful to you. Because God, in his word, is very specific about these things. And so, 
If you would, um, just bow with me, and, and let's just pray over what we're about to read. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we gather today as a church body, my hope is that you would show us things that would change our lives, that would change the trajectory of this coming year, beginning today, the first day of 2023. Lord, we want to know you. We want to know you more. We want to understand you. We want to, we want, we want to feel the connectedness to you. And Lord, you have, um, you know, by your wisdom, have created a way for us. And I hope and pray, Lord, for myself and everybody here that we would, um, we would just be better connected to you through prayer over this, over this coming year. So, Lord, open, open the eyes of our hearts to help us to see what you would have us see this morning. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, look, four verses. Let's go verse 1 of Luke chapter 11. It says this. It says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And I just want to stop there. Now, Jesus was playing, praying in a certain place. Jesus is in, is in front of his disciples over and over and over again, and they see him praying in a certain place. I mean, if you just read the Gospels, you see it. Like, hey, where's Jesus? Oh, he's, he's removed himself from all the stuff. He's got himself into a place of silence, to, into a place of focus, and he's there because of prayer. He sees this. You know, the one that I remember most of all, y'all hear that? I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's not my phone. I don't know what that is. Anyway, we're going to ignore We're going to ignore that. Um, yeah, all right. Anyway. Going back, listen, so when I think of, you know, Jesus and prayer, uh, even just looking at this one phrase, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. You might recall um, in Mark chapter 1 uh, where the, the scenario is this, is that Jesus is, is healing lots of people, right? He's um, a lot, I mean, they're lined up at the door, and they're coming, and Jesus is healing them. And, you know, Jesus and the disciples are going, okay, we're figuring out how awesome this is, you know, that, 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 you know, Jesus is really making his mark. You know, he's setting the foundation for who he is and what he's going to do in the world. And how cool is that, that he is healing all these folks, right? And then what happens is early in the next morning, he just, he gets away. He gets away. And the disciples probably going, hey, wasn't that awesome? And now we have all these other people here wanting to be healed as well. And wouldn't that be even more awesome? But where's Jesus? And they go and find him. And hey, Jesus, they said a bunch of people are still waiting for you. And this is so cool. Let's come back. Let's do this thing. Let's keep on rolling with what we're doing because how awesome this is. And what Jesus says to them is, you know what? We're going we, we gonna to move on. We're going to move on. I've got to go to different places and, and preach because that's why I'm here. That was his ultimate goal. That was his ultimate calling at that time. And if you just think about it from a human perspective, how difficult of a decision that is because you're doing such awesome stuff. I mean, I mean, I mean this is really beneficial. It's not like you're making, you know, a decision between, you know, playing Call of Duty for 12 hours on your Xbox or, you know, going and do some good for the community. It's not that kind of decision. He's healing people over and over and over again. And then he comes up and says, you know, we're going we're gonna to do something else. We're going to go because there's a greater calling. But here's what I want you to understand. I don't think that decision was easy. But you know where it comes in the context of? It comes in the context of prayer. Because it's easy for us to see the difference between doing something that's just a waste of time. I like Call of Duty. Anyway, there's a sense of waste of time um, or sin and, or, you know, let's do something for God. But when you go, man, this is a good thing, but this is a better thing. Sometimes those decisions are harder. And you know what? It comes, into the con it comes from the context of prayer. And the disciples see that. And they've seen it over and over and over again. And so at this point, in the book of Luke, chapter 11, it says, Now when Jesus was playing in a, 
praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. That's a big deal. And so if you're thinking about your own prayer life, and you should at this moment, if you're thinking about your own prayer life and how you pray and what you pray, um, all these sorts of things, the disciples, are, they're thinking the same thing. Their, their, their minds are, are swirling around seeing Jesus praying and then, you know, coming up with this is what we need to do next. And they say, Lord, teach us to pray. And if I think I'm correct in this in saying that this is the only time in Scripture where we see Jesus' disciples specifically asking him to teach them anything. You see, so we can get caught up in the Christian life, and we can get caught up in church world and all the things, and, you know, they could have said, hey, teach us, teach us to evangelize more. Teach us how to, to serve other people better. Teach us this. Teach us that. But they didn't say that. They said, hey, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. And then in verse 2, he said to them, Jesus' response to their inquiry, he says this, When you pray, say. And I want to stop right there. When you pray, say. So does that mean that we need to absolutely 100% say these words? I'm going to say yes and no. You see, here's the deal. I think there's, a, there's a, an upside and a downside to repetition. A lot of congregations, um, a lot of churches, you know, every Sunday morning when the congregation gathers together, uh, they may say, um, they may quote the Apostles' Creed. They may together quote the Lord's Prayer, right? And, you know, I think those, those are good practices, because Jesus says, when you pray, say. But also the downside to repetition is sometimes you just say things, and you don't really, your heart's not in it. You're not thinking about what you're saying. You're not, you know, it's not, it's not authentic. You're just repeating some words that you've got memorized. You know, as I think about prayer over, over the years, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of times where I have prayed, and I've heard other pray, people pray, um, okay, Lord, uh, be with this person, and then Lord, be with that person, and be with me, and be with, and be with. And what, what, what does that even mean, be with? Like, are, are, we, are we even, what does that mean? And then, you know, if, you were, if you're a kid, then maybe you're taught the prayer when you go to bed. Um, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And the old version, and if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Right? And then I think the revised version of that, because we, you know, was um, something else. I can't remember what the other, other thing was. I just remember uh, our kids had this little um, stuffed animal, and you pressed the belly of it, and it, it prayed the Lord's Prayer, but that whole, if I die before I wake, I pray, my, I pray the Lord my soul to take. It changed to something a little bit more, you know, benign. Um, but here's the thing. You can just say it over and over and over again. And you know what else you could do? You know, you ever sit down at the table um, and go, uh, okay, somebody needs to say the, the blessing, um, you know, and, and what do we say? Um, what do we say? God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. By his hands we must be fed. Give us Lord today the bread. Amen. Okay? Nothing wrong with those words. But if you just, and you're not actually thinking, I don't, are you really praying? Or are you just reciting something? And there's a danger, because some people have, um, have some hesitancy, some reservation about just even repeating the Lord's Prayer. Because you come from a place or you come from uh, a different denomination or even religion, and, and where you know, all you people, we just say that all the time. You just you say it, and almost like the words ring hollow. Um, you know, we could, I mean, most of the people who, you know, regularly quote the Lord's Prayer, um, you know, they really come from the, the longer Matthew version. You know, it says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, you might be, um, you might have heard that so many times where you actually just have some reservation about even speaking it because it's just kind of rote words. But what I want to propose this morning is that we can absolutely 
say that prayer. And for those of us who struggle in prayer, I think we actually say those words or the shorter version here in Luke, but really stop to think about what the words mean and allow those words to be real communication, not just a reciting of things we've memorized, um, but real, real words to a God in whom we have a relationship with who gives us the opportunity to speak and to listen. And he said to them, when you pray, say, here's the first word, Father. <laughs> and we have to just stop right there because I think this is, might be, if I, had to, if I had to gauge it, I think this word might be the most important word in the whole thing. Father, who are God's children? I think when some people get stuck right there with that one word, Father. Because we have, you've heard, and I've heard people say in different types of settings, oh, we're all children of God. And that's an absolute lie. It's an absolute untruth that all people in the world are children of God. So not everybody can jump into this prayer and start it with, Father. Here's what you got to understand. Everybody is created by God. And God loves every single person that is, that is created. We are all made in his image. John 3, 16, for God so loved the what? The world, right? So we are all created by God. We are all created in his image. God loves each and every single one of us. But that does not mean that we are all children of God. We are not, because we are created by God, does not put us into that relationship of father and child. And so the real question, and I think this is the most important question this morning, as we get one word, and <laughs> one word into that prayer example of Jesus, the disciples' prayer, when you say, Father, is it real? Do you mean it? Is he your father? Let me just read you some verses, and you don't need to flip here. Um, but in John chapter 8, verse 44, and he is, Jesus is specifically talking to a lot of people who've done a lot of religious stuff. He says this, you are of your father, the devil. Okay, so are all people children of God? Is God everybody's father? Nope. He's looking at Pharisees, looking at people that did a lot of religious things, and he actually says, you are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks out of his own character. He is a liar and the father of lies. So right there, it's very clear that not all people are children of God. So how does that happen? Well, let's just read again, Romans 8, verses 14 through 16, says this, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And so when I ask you this morning, when you get to that word Father, does that resonate and you know that to be true? Well, right here it says, you go, well, his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. If you have believed in him, and again, let's just go to a more simple one. Galatians 3, 26 says, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. And so to become a child of God, to even get to the first word, is to go, hey, I have faith. I have faith that God is who he said he is. I have faith that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I have faith in him. I believe in him. I follow him. He is my father. And if there's no other thing that you hear this morning, you got to go, do I even get past the first word? Father. And then it says this, hallowed be your name. Hallowed is not a word, but we use a lot. 
Hallowed means holy, sacred, set apart, different, different kind of father. And some people get hung up by the word father because you have bad fathers on earth. And that linkage of calling God your father when your earthly example of a father is not so good tends to cause some people to even stumble in this. But I'm going to tell you right now, everybody in this world who is a father or a mother, a parent, is fallible and they messed up a lot. All right. I want to make sure my son didn't just yell, Amen! I remember that one, right? Yeah. All of our kids could, though. You know, there are plenty of times where I think back to things I did or said. I just wish I was a better dad, but I'm not. Did the best I could. Um, but thanks be to God, legitimately, that both of my children, um, they have a perfect father. And so when we get to a place where we go, Father, hallowed be your name. You are holy. You are set apart. You are different from the fathers that we have here. You are holy. So when we pray, I think it's good for us to go following. When Jesus say this, again, checking your heart. Father, hallowed be your name. You are holy. You are different. You are set apart. And then what does he say next? Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come really comes from in, in two different things, two different ways to interpret that, and both are accurate. The first one is when we pray, your kingdom come, it is a longing for the future consummation of the kingdom of God that has already been started by Jesus coming here to the first time. When we celebrated Jesus' arrival on this earth just, um, I don't know, six days ago, uh, wherever many go, no, Christmas, 20, on the 25th. When we celebrate Jesus' first coming, his kingdom on earth has begun. But we also know that this world is, whoo, it is messed up. And if you don't think it is, you're not, you're not, your eyes are not open. This is a messed up world. And so when we pray your kingdom come, I think it's hopefully a longing for our, from our own hearts as children of God who acknowledge him as the set-apart one, the different one, the holy one, and we long for all this to just go away. We long for his return when all tears are wiped away and everything is made right. That's what we're saying when we pray for his kingdom to come because I know, it makes me laugh every year when we get to the end of the old year and look toward the beginning of the new year and here we are on the first day, like, oh, maybe things will be better this year, you know? And, and personally, I hope that's true. I hope that's true for everybody here. Man, but what, man, if you just think about your own personal life, man, 2023 was much better than 2022. One thing I know for sure is that globally, uh-uh, 2023 is not going to be better for the world uh, than 2022. Uh, this world is on a downward spiral, and it will continue to be so until Jesus comes back and redeems it and creates a new heaven and a new earth. And that's what we look for. That's what we long for. And so when life gets tough, when life punches you right in the stinking mouth, man, hopefully your prayer from your heart to your heavenly Father, who is perfect and holy, is, Lord, I long for your kingdom to come. The second meaning of that is also just, I long, may your kingdom come in my own heart and in the hearts of others. So we're not just thinking about it, you know, from an eternal perspective, we are doing that, but also, may your kingdom come. May I continue to be more conformed into the likeness of yourself, and may other people around me continue to be more formed into the likeness of yourself, where your kingdom is continually being built in this era where it is like a, it's a now but not yet kind of a thing as we think about the kingdom of God. And so when we pray, we pray, your kingdom come, that God's reign as king would continually advance in our own hearts and the hearts of others. So when Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, and in, hence he teaches us how to pray, up to this point, I want you to see that it's all about him. 
right? Father, your kingdom come. Hallowed be your name. How often, and I think that should, that should help us, as we're struggling with how to pray, what to pray for, I think that should help us because a lot of times, you know what we do? We just jump into, oh, Lord, i got to get this thing done tomorrow. Please help me have the strength of whatever to pass the test, to do the study and to do well at this meeting. You know, I pray for this sick person, that sick person. I pray for my own self who's struggling with illness, and I pray for the, we just, we, we praying about the things that we want, the things that we need. But do not miss the point that when Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, he goes very clearly from the jump, hey, we're acknowledging God for who he is. That's what the first part of this prayer is all about. And then in verse 3, it then does switch to things that we need. Give us this day our daily bread. Without belaboring the point, our daily bread, it's just our basic needs. Give us this day our daily bread. What do you need? We need to survive. Yes, it's, it's food, right? It's the foundational thing. And so when we pray, and if we were to pray this prayer exactly as it is written, and when we were praying for daily bread, um, I don't want anybody to go, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting away from carbs in January, so I'm not going to pray for daily bread, right? It is your, the prayer is for your daily needs, Okay. Um, be paleo and keto and all that stuff and don't understand this is actual bread. Understand the meaning uh, behind it. It's our most basic needs. But what else I love about this verse is it starts with give us. Not give me. It doesn't say give me my daily bread. It says give us our daily bread. You can probably spend, I could probably spend a long time just right here, but what I want you to understand is when Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, he is not teaching them to pray specifically about their individual needs, although they are there, but he's also teaching them and us to pray in a more corporate sense. And so when Jesus says pray, that he would give us our daily bread, I think at that moment, we are also praying not just for ourselves. We're thinking outside of ourselves. We're thinking about the church at large. We're thinking about our community. Uh, we talk about a lot here that we are uh, God's ambassadors to what? Our neighbors, to the next generation, and to the nations. It's just not about us. And I think a conviction of mine, um, having just really meditated on this passage over the past couple of weeks, is this, is if we are to pray that God gives us our daily bread, how often is it that God actually answers that prayer through me? Because I have my daily bread and I actually have extra. And maybe God answers the prayer of daily bread or foundational needs for other people through you, through me, because you have it. You have what you need and you got some extra, you know? Um, give us this day our daily bread. And then he moves on. Verse 4. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Let me just camp just for a second on forgive us our sins, because that could be a little problematic. Because you could go, wait a minute, I thought my sins were forgiven upon salvation. When I repented of my sins and I prayed to give my life to Jesus, aren't my sins forgiven already? The answer is absolutely yes. If you are a child of God, Colossians 3 says your life is hidden in Christ. So God the Father looks upon you and he just sees Jesus, right? He is a uh, big word, the propitiation for our sins. Basically, he took the penalty upon himself. And that is all sins, past, present, and future. So if all that is true, and it is, then why do, we, you know, why do we ask forgiveness? Why do we seek that out? What is that? Well, here's the deal. There is that what I would call positional forgiveness upon relationship with God himself. He becomes your father. You are his child. Your sins are forgiven. Your life is hidden in Christ. Nothing ever changes that. That being true, 
You know what else is also true? That you can feel estranged from your heavenly father, from God himself. You can feel distant from God himself. You can actually forget the enormous measure that he went through in order for your sins to be forgiven. You know, again, I'll just, um, although he hates it, I'll just use my son as an example again. Um, he, um, my son is, um, because at the moment I became his father, he's always my child. Nothing will ever, ever change that. But, no offense to Michael, sometimes he acts like a little punk, as we all do. Does that change anything? No, but you know what makes our relationship? But when he does that, or when I fail him as an earthly father, does that kind of, we feel a little bit more distant? Yes. As a matter of fact, um, my wife last night, um, again, I didn't, see, I didn't see the new year come in. Uh, she texted the kids and said, hey, happy new year, be safe, blah, blah, blah. Um, my son replies to our family, <laughs> new year, new me. I'm about to be the worst me I've ever been, so get ready. <laughs> That's just comedy. I kid joking, right? But man, sometimes it might seem like that. You get it? But even if that was true, and it wasn't. It's just fun. That kid's got my sense of humor. I love that. Anyway, even if it was true, does that change the fact that he's my son? No, absolutely not. But what can happen is a daily, you know, sin against me to him or him to me can cause us to feel distant. And so I think God also wants us to not just know that positionally our relationship never changes. I also think he wants to know that he's close to us. And that is that that's not just that one-time repentance. It's a daily repentance. You know, I messed that up. It's a daily confession. It's a daily asking, hey, Lord, um, forgive me for this. Father, Father, forgive me. I've, I've, I've done this, right? Forgive us our sins. You know, there is a, um, there's a deal. Um, well, let's go on to the next phrase. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, right? And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Some people read that like this. Hey, God, forgive us, because check me out. I'm forgiving everyone that is uh, indebted to me. So, therefore, I think I'm, I think I'm owed a little, for, I'm owed that forgiveness. Uh-uh, that's not how it works. Because there, that, therefore, grace would not be involved, and that is not what the Bible teaches at all, that you do a thing and then God does another thing like that. No, what that really points out to us is that it shows me that the real believer, the person who is a real child of God, his or her life is accented by forgiving other people. Because, you know, if you ever stop to think for just a second how much sin and yuckness. <laughs> Buddy makes up words all the time. I just made that one up. Let's call yuckness in there. Just how bad it is. If you ever just stop to think about how much we sin and, and God forgives that, then who are we to withhold forgiveness for other people for really much smaller things? You know, there's that, there's that parable. Um, it's found in Matthew 18 um, where you, you might remember the story where Jesus tells about a guy that just, real simply, he owed a whole bunch of money, and he couldn't pay it back, and the guy goes to the guy who he owes the money to, hey, man, have some patience, have some mercy on me, I can't pay the money back. And the guy goes, yeah, don't worry about it, you're okay. And then that guy goes, whew, that's good, I'm glad I owed so much money, but I'm cool with that guy. And then he goes to another guy who owes just a little bit of money, and that guy, the third guy, says, hey, man, I can't pay you back that little bit of money. And then that guy goes, the guy that owed a bunch, who somebody else owes him a little, man, no mercy at all. No mercy. I'm going to throw you up in jail until you can pay it back. Whew. And here's how that parable ends. Matthew 18, 35. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Uh, we can camp on there for 
probably a series of sermons. But here's what I want you to understand. As you think about your relationship with God and living out your faith, your relationship with him, as we hopefully will be better attuned to praying and speaking to somebody that we actually know, not just know about, then what happens is, yeah, we, we begin to get hearts for forgiving others because we never see ourselves as, you know, look how good I am. We see our sin in its right light, and then therefore it causes us to have mercy on other people and forgive them. So we, for ourselves, forgive everyone who is indebted to us, next phrase, and lead us not into temptation. And when I read that, just from a cursory measure, I just go, wait, what? God, we're asking God to not lead us in temptation? I didn't think that was a thing. Okay? Um, and let me just read you some verses. James 1.13 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. Hear, hear this. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and hear this, and he himself tempts no one. So if God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one, then then why are we even praying this? What's, what's the deal? Well, here's the thing. You have to understand the difference between a temptation, which is not from God, and a testing or a trial. Because I do absolutely believe that testings and trials in our lives uh, come from God himself. Now, the temptations, as we struggle through, we're working through those temptations and those trials... Yeah, we're tempted to do some things. We could be tempted to, to, to go this route and commit these sins just because I just want to numb myself and not deal with the trial or the testing. I mean, those temptations are there, but they are not from God. Those are from the devil himself. By example, um, Hebrews 11, verse 17 says, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. God tested him. And there was a temptation, all sorts of temptations there, right? But the temptation's not, but the testing is. And so then why would God test us? So part of me goes, man, why, why, why doesn't God just eradicate all the testing in trial too? Because it, wouldn't that be better? And the answer is absolutely not. You know, there's, there's cliches all over about, you know, things like anything uh, good is, is, is worth working for, that kind of thing. Um, Similarly, in our own spiritual life, and our own character development, I just want to read to you James, same, same chapter even. Um, a little bit before that, James 1.13, you find James 1, 2 and 4, 2, 3 through 4, and it says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Gosh, if you see it from that lens, from that angle, then you understand that the testing, the trial, the problems that you're working through, God is going, he's doing something good in you, right? That is the character of God. We will be tested. We will be encountering trials of various kinds. But in doing so, our character increases. It says it very clearly, so that we may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If you lived and I lived just a life of all ease and comfort and there was never any trials, we don't grow. We don't grow. God knows this. He set the world up like this, and that actually is his grace. But be not mistaken the temptations that come to us when we're going through those trials or those testings, those are not of God at all. And so lead us not in temptation, into temptation equals this. When we face trials and testing, here's what we got. By his strength and power. What we're praying for is, Lord, when I face trials, when I face testing that comes my way, because the Bible's very clear, in this world you will have trouble. And some people will go to churches and listen to pastors that want to just kind of like, you know, jump, jump over those verses and go, I, I'm having trouble. My life is, I'm struggling. So therefore, I don't, know about, I don't know about this whole God thing. No, 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 no. 
I always tell people, guess what? The Bible is crystal clear on that. And why would you expect that you would have it different from everybody else? God's word tells us, in this world, you will have trouble. Not that you might, you will have trouble. And so I think the prayer then, when we say, and lead us not into temptation, is going, okay, God, when, when I go through these trials, when I go through these testings, please help me see the way out. Take me far, far away from the temptation. Empower me from your spirit. Strengthen me so that I don't fall into temptation. Because life is full of challenges. And deep, sustained help in those challenges comes from God. Who, hopefully, you can say with integrity that he is your father. And you know he is holy. Right? And you go, hey, Lord, I, I count on you for my daily needs. That's my bottom line base, you know, physical need is daily bread. And then forgiveness, you know what that is? That's your bottom line spiritual need. You know, we, we, we went through the story, I don't know, a handful of weeks ago. I think it's Luke, uh, maybe chapter 5, where you got the paralytic guy. You know, he can't move. And then his friends bring him up and put him down through the roof because the room's crowded and you can't get in there. But they brought him to see Jesus. Is it not cool because he's going to let this dude walk? And then the first thing Jesus says is, hey, your sins are forgiven. Everybody's going, um, okay, hold on, time out. That's not actually what we were here for. But why does Jesus do that? Because who cares? Who cares if the guy walks? But his eternity is not secure. You know? Think about that. Who cares? I mean, we're on this earth for this long. But Jesus says, hey, let me, let, let me go ahead and meet your core foundational spiritual need of forgiveness. And so we go, God, forgive us. And then we also, we ask for our daily bread. And then the guy, and then God, you know, lets the guy walk also. Isn't that cool? So physical need, spiritual need. And so we think about these things. That's the God who created the universe. That's the God that created you, the God that created me. That's the God that loves all of us. And so the question is, do you know him? Are you in relationship to him? And then if you go, yeah, 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 that's, that's a done deal, like I could say, um, you know, from nine years old, yeah, that's a done deal. I think the real press this morning and over the next handful of weeks, and hopefully even through this whole year, is that what is, what is your relationship like, though? Okay, fine, you're saved. If you died, you go to heaven. But what is your relationship like? Do you know intimately the Lord? And you know him, it's really, if you speak with him, if you pray, that's where the real communication comes in. You know, over this Christmas break, I had an opportunity uh, to have breakfast um, with a guy who's a friend of mine. His name is Craig. And Craig is a friend of mine from high school. I see him, I don't know, once a year, talk to him three times a year, maybe. And um, yeah, I know him. But we connected and said, hey, while you're in town, can we sit over breakfast, he asked me. And I said, sure, man, let's do it. And for about two hours, he, want, he just had to just unload this really miraculous story um, things that happened in his own family life, his own, his own family's life. And, I, and we just celebrated. And guess what? While Craig and I were friends before that meeting, and I feel much closer to Craig now after having that conversation, you see. And I would also feel closer to him if we spoke more regularly. But it doesn't change the fact that we're still in relationship. We're still friends. So if God is your father... If God is your father, then I would say the same thing. Don't just go, oh, now lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord, so we'll keep you for die before we pray the Lord, so take our God is great. God's good. Think about, talk to the Lord because he's available to you. And what I would love for all of us to do, because many people will jump into January and they're going to go, yeah, it's going to be dry January. I'm going to give up alcohol. I'm going to do this for a whole month, right? Or I'm going to do a detox diet. I'm going to start, you know, I'm going to eat only these things and not these things. The month of January, let's start the year strong. Yeah, all that's good and fine. But what I would hope is that we would commit ourselves individually, that's you and that's me, and then therefore corporately, man, pray the Lord's Prayer every day. <laughs> it's just four verses, right? Pray the Lord's Prayer every day. Since we sat under God's word this morning, 
hopefully that's something that you can do with significance. You know, let's just, let's just ask the Lord, you know? Let's just say, Father, and mean it. Forgive us of our sins and mean it. Give us our daily bread and mean it. And forgive others as we forgive others and mean it. And lead us not into temptation, understanding the struggles of life and mean it. Man, gosh, what, what would it do? I mean, it, I have no idea. And I hope that, um, what are we at? Yeah, we're January 1. I don't know how to look at my watch for that. Um, I hope maybe February 1, maybe I would love for any of you who, yeah, let's do this. I would love to hear, man, what did God do in you, through you, with him? Because we committed ourselves for a month to pray the Lord's Prayer or the disciples' prayer. But it's hard. So let me pray to that end for us. If you would, bow with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, um, we thank you for your instruction. We thank you for the opportunity to, um, to hear from you um, as you uh, spoke with um, your disciples about how to communicate with you. My hope, my prayer for, for me and for all of us is that, Lord, you would um, allow us to sense your presence so much more strongly than we have in 2022. And may that come as a result of us just devoting ourselves to just communicating with you. Lord, you're always there. You're always open. You're always listening. You're always watching. You're always protecting. You're always guiding. And sometimes it's hard for us to see. But Lord, we know you're good. We know you're merciful. We know you're powerful. And so therefore, Lord, may we collectively bow our knee before you, the Holy One who can do anything and everything, way beyond anything that we can even ask or think. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.